Welcome to the Form of Fitness Podcast, where you will learn the most that there is to learn about fitness. Through mechanism, about dieting, motion itself, and many more, you will follow me and my co-host Duncan as we talk about these things as they are related to our personal lives, as well as they are related to the health industry and how they affect us and people around us every day. We thank you for listening. What's going on guys welcome back to the former fitness podcast i'm joined by duncan again today and uh what we're going to be talking about today is kind of hearkening back to our episode on what is a fitness influencer but it's also going to go wider than that um but also a little bit more specific subject matter wise um what we're going to be talking about today is finances in fitness ways people make money difference between private and commercial gyms um and just everything that we can think of in this sort of space. So do you want to go ahead? Yeah. So this episode is not just for people who are looking to become gym owners or, you know, trying to get big in the influencer space. Like I think that knowing a lot of this information is also very helpful for, you know, just people understanding where their money should be going. Right. Um, I know that specifically like in the CrossFit community, Owning a gym is a little different from owning other businesses because you oftentimes have a much more personal rapport with your clients. You know, yeah. you're often more likely to be friends with your clients, which is not necessarily the same case in most other jobs. Yeah. You know, um, even if you're owning a corporation, your relationships with people are often a bit less personal yeah. um, just because of how those jobs function. Um, and so being able to understand, oh, this is expensive or, oh, they're not charging me a lot, which is often the case in the CrossFit world. Often the case is the owner of the gym should be charging you like at least five to 10 bucks more. Yeah. He probably, he or she probably should be charging you like 30, 40, 50 bucks more. Yeah. Um, however, because of kind of a combination of them having this illusion of pressure and then also like some members being disgruntled by seeing that a price increases by five bucks. You know, the, yeah. these things matter. Um, I think it's also important to understand that like gyms are based on a subscription-based service. Mm-hmm. And so we feel the change in prices very much compared to almost anything else we do. You know, yeah. if I buy a steak every day, and the steak was ten bucks today. It's ten bucks tomorrow, and due to inflation, a month away from now, it's ten bucks and one cent. I don't feel that, right? Yeah. But when I'm paying for a subscription, and year over year, my coach has to increase the cost of the membership by like I don't know seven percent because of inflation. I feel that because I see that last month it was a hundred bucks, and this month it's a hundred and seven, right? Yeah. We feel these things a lot more, and so there's kind of this guttural reaction that we need to kind of figure out how to deal with because at the end of the day, I hope you enjoy your gym. I hope that you find like a lot of um, satisfaction in being there and spending the extra seven bucks a month to be able to go there 
shouldn't be that big of a deal, especially when you understand that really in the grand scheme of things, especially with like economics and inflation, he's probably not actually charging you more. In fact, if he's keeping the price stable for like five years straight, you're probably paying him effectively less. Yeah. And that, um, that's something to always keep in mind. And the reason why you feel it more is because you also, in the back of your mind, know that I've already signed up to pay for this for longer. So there's a perceived cost that is much more than what it is. And that is true. Um, that's the way that a lot of car salesmen will get you to buy something that's more expensive than you thought you were paying for by, you know, keeping the price the same, but extending how long you're going to be paying for it. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a certain amount of feel to that. Like back to the steak analogy, you know, that in the back of your mind, you aren't subscribed to go buy that steak every day. You just choose to. Um, so you make that decision consciously every day and someday you can just skip doing it. So mm -hmm. then it's like, okay, the economic burden is like, I can alleviate it at any moment for, you know, as long as I want to. Whereas in this case, you've already paid for it for this month and you've signed up to pay for it for the next 11 months of this year because yeah. you signed a year contract. Um, and again, the changing of price thing, this has to do with the fact that it's not even necessarily that, it's that they, again, don't want to change the price. Mm -hmm. They want the price to be stable, but at some point economics catches up to them and they realize, oh, like, the rent of the building has increased year over year and the cost of equipment has increased year over year. I've just got to charge more just to offer the same service. Um, and so, and, and we feel those effects and those can be annoying, but it's once you have that mindset about it, it's very understandable and you just realize like, okay, that that's what it is. And, uh, it's very, um, it's just easier to deal with mentally. I think one thing we do need to talk about is, like I said, private versus commercial gym. Um, so as we talked about, CrossFit is a private gym due to its specialization, mm -hmm. uh, its specificity of objective, whereas something like, what do I mean by commercial gym? Like Planet Fitness, Gold's Gym, mm -hmm. LA Fitness, uh, Crunch Fitness, a lot of other like big name brand fitness centers that you can think of 24 hour mm -hmm. fitness fitness connection all, all, all these places uh if it's a brand uh and it's very common most likely it is a commercial gym i think there are private gym chains like technically crossfit counts but th those are more individualized yeah. and that's why it's a private gym but also a brand um and private gyms tend to be like individualized you tend to have like a single one of that gym uh, where that gym is and I guess we'll just talk about some of the differences other than one objectively being like bigger or a chain uh, as opposed to the other so one big thing that comes to people's mind immediately is cost private gyms cost more they just do and the reason is is that a lot of times there tends to be included training packages with what they're doing um, CrossFit again being person perfect example but another great option is like power lifter gyms these are mm -hmm. kind of the big one that's known in the space is a lot of times when you're paying for that you're also paying for either one-on-one -on -one coaching class coaching um or specific coaches to train you on specific movements in the case of power lift like yeah. some of these gyms might have 
a deadlift coach, a squat coach, a bench coach. They're training you for competition. They're training you um, to produce the most power at the instance where you need it the most. Mm -hmm. At what point do you need to squeeze what? Like very, very particularized training, whereas the commercial gym is not that way. And also, I mean, you can be paying for more specialized equipment as well, right? Like we don't really think about this a lot because of, you know, the gym that, we have available to us at UNC Charlotte along with, you know, I have my CrossFit gym and right below it is a powerlifting gym. So I'm like, yeah, free weights, that's a guarantee. But if you go to, you know, the Y um, or like a Planet Fitness, they don't really have a lot of free weight spots, right? They don't really have free weight platforms. These things are kind of specialized, especially compared to like the more corporate commercial um everyone friendly gym and part of that's because of the expertise required to lift free weights and part of that also is just the cost uh, of free weights and the amount of wear and tear that can be done on like the floor and the bar and the plates themselves yeah um also like you know crossfit has this gymnastics component to it that means that they also have to buy like gymnast rings pull-up bars they have to set up their space in a way so that people can run 200, 400, 800, 1600 meters and also be able to lift without having to deal too much with like transitioning um, yeah. and having to like go an extra 100 meters just to get to a weightlifting uh, piece. Yeah. And another thing about that equipment cost is when you're talking about equipment pricing and setting up these gyms, one thing is, is that good equipment is expensive and the reason why is that it has to be able to handle long-term amounts of wear and tear and if something handles wear and tear really well which it will experience way more of at a private gym Mm -hmm. than a commercial gym because a lot of times they buy something explicitly and expressly for that purpose like i don't know if you've ever seen but the difference between what plates go through at a powerlifting gym versus a commercial gym is a way different lifespan Mm -hmm. experience i mean some private gyms tear through plates, just like tear through bumpers because the guys are picking them up, they're slamming them down because that is expressly part of the training yeah. and they pay for that. Um, whereas at you know a commercial gym, there a lot of times it is very clear and in that contract that if you tear up some of their equipment, they might just terminate you. Yeah. They'll be like, no, that's not included in the cost. So they have to be very mindful of the equipment they're buying. And a lot of commercial gyms in some cases have such a low price point that they're really banking on the fact that a lot of their people are not actually even going to come to the gym, mm-hmm. Planet Fitness. There's some other uh, things like that, but Planet Fitness is the first one that comes to mind. There's yep. a reason they're able to have, like, a $10 membership or even a $1 membership for students. Like, that does not cover a lot. Do you know what $1 costs? Like, you use wear and tear-wise more than dollars worth. Most times you go to the gym. Yeah. Like, so. Uh, and it's like – being a power lifter or especially like an Olympic lifter doesn't mean inherently that you're rougher on the equipment, but like, especially with Olympic lifting, if you drop the bar, you are dropping that bar from at least an actual like three feet higher than uh, anyone else would drop that bar because you're doing a lot of these overhead movements. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I would challenge you find someone in a commercial gym that's jerking or (laughs) snatching. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um, and see them not get thrown out <laughs> just yeah catch yeah. them not get drug out of there and, and if not drug out just at least given some like weird looks yeah. you know because 
oftentimes also when you're at a commercial gym, the employees at a commercial gym are not fitness background individuals, at least in the same way that like, you know, if you're a powerlifting or an Olympic lifting coach, you have to, you know, there's a whole process. There's screenings, there's a resume that has to be built up, um, especially if you're being registered like nationally as a coach. If you're a CrossFit coach, you have to go through the level one CrossFit coaching process. If you're a commercial gym employee, you probably had a little bit of onboarding that you have to, had to do at the very beginning. Yep. Um, your qualification was probably that you lifted a bit as a kid, and you're there much more as like a think almost like a McDonald's line worker versus a chef for you know a more classy restaurant. Yeah, you know th- that's kind of the difference in expertise that you can expect there, and that's very important to understand because. You know, for most people, we suck at knowing what's wrong with how we lift. You know, for a lot of the best athletes, they struggle with figuring out what was wrong with their lift. And so without, you know, constantly videotaping your lifts, one of the other best ways to do it is have a coach look at you do it. And you're not getting that from a commercial gym side of things but I mean, in a private gym especially when a coach is kind of built into that contract mm. all of a sudden you have access to that yeah and that kind of covers something that's to be said about amenities at uh at private gyms versus commercial gyms and a lot of times like there are commercial gyms that offer you know sauna and things like this but that is taken to the next level a lot of times at private gyms be just because at private gyms that relationships between you and owner you and coach is a lot more personal mm-hmm. and tends to mean you're a lot more involved on a higher level with the actual business or organization itself as opposed to like a commercial gym where you might have even signed up for your membership online had to go in and get a picture made so they could give you your key fob that so that way you could get in because it's 24-hour access whereas like your private gym is probably only operating during certain times of the day, or if it is 24 hours, it's only staffed during certain times and you can't get like a lot of your amenities during those, um, you know, non standard operation hours. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And another thing is like, uh, some commercial gyms do have like personal trainers, like a a decent amount of them do. They offer it as an extra package. It's not included in that membership. You're not guaranteed to get, or you're not, expected to get it and sometimes you're gonna have to deal with scheduling uh issues just because of when they work um their personal trainers uh a lot of times their personal trainers are not to the same level of expertise as the one at private gyms a lot of times these are going to be people who are you know personal trainer certified and they've got you know a background in working in gyms or in some form of like class style environment where they understand how to you know, interact with normal people and explain to them a topic of which mm-hmm. they're unfamiliar with, which takes, you know, a certain level of degree, more knowledge than just being able, just knowing for yourself. Um, and so, yeah, there, there is going to be that level of quality. So I think in regards to gyms, that kind of covers it private versus commercial. So talking about what we wanted to talk about as a whole, now that we've kind of covered uh, that, we wanted to talk about how people make money in fitness, um, where people are coming from, how you can make financial choices in fitness. Um, 
And we wanted to talk about a lot of this to make you both an informed buyer and know where people are making money so you understand why would someone want to tell me a certain thing about something. Um, and you're able to check people's bias a lot of times when you understand this. So I pulled up this article that just kind of gave me a run through of just some of the top things that people make money um, doing uh, in fitness. A lot of these are things including some form of personal training, whether that be um, digital or in-person, um, working at a gym, not working at a gym, person like uh, on your own as like your own freelance personal trainer or in per, uh, or again, working uh, out of a gym or out of some digital program that kind of put matches you up with customers. Um, another thing is like teaching group classes. And then we get to the big thing, which is all of the list of items that influencers do, which is <laughs> yep. things like write eBooks, start podcasts, shoot photography, um, you know, write for fitness blogs and magazines, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, affiliate affiliate marketing, uh, which involves things like selling supplements, apparel, personalized merch, um, as well as getting into like fitness modeling or doing like retreats, uh, other sponsorship based activities and uh, promoting your own promoting something for someone else or promoting your own personalized uh, fitness influencer fitness influencer brand. Um, So let's talk about things that involve us doing writing or creation of content with expressly talking about fitness and not doing advertising. These include things such as uh, starting your own podcast, writing an ebook, writing a fitness blog or journal, um, as well as we can probably throw in there doing like fitness photography and videography um, and like making your own YouTube channel. Yeah. So generally these things are more like post accomplishment type uh, mm-hmm. situations. So, you know, one of the best kind of examples in the real world that's outside of fitness is like being the president, right? Yeah. The money in being a president is not necessarily those four years. It's all the years after it's you being asked to come to colleges, uh, graduation speeches, uh, like press tours, the books that you write, you know, it's very much the similar thing. So, you know, in, in terms of the fitness world, it's like a Danny Spiegel or a Brian Shaw or, you know, one of these big names either in whatever community you want to name. They did something great. They competed and got a big fan base. Yeah. And now they can write a book about how they did the great thing, you know, what their challenges were in doing the great thing or – you know, them talking about what the next great thing might be. And because they have this kind of renown in the world, they can sell a book, make it lucrative, um, either because people want to know more about this person that they've built up like a parasocial relationship with or because people want to figure out what they did right so that they can replicate that. Yeah, and that's very apparent with a lot of these people and in, again, things other than fitness. but let's say, like, like, let's talk powerlifting. In powerlifting, you have to become exceptionally accomplished to gain the renown for your book following up where you explain how to become a good powerlifter mm-hmm. is going to make money. So, again, post-accomplishment, um, and it's going to take some work. And the biggest legwork involved uh, on that front tends to be becoming accomplished in some way, shape, or form. Um, the one that does round about this a little bit 
is like creating a YouTube channel yeah. or something like that or starting your own podcast where you don't need that exceptional amount of like, um, you know, accomplishment beforehand, but people tend to become, uh, like, let's see, interested or like you personally, uh, involved with like your personal growth or development mm -hmm. in the subject matter, um, as well as your personality, uh, involved around the subject matter. This mm -hmm. tends to be pretty common of like specific, like gym bro style YouTube channels. Um, and just guys who aren't competing, but yeah. they are very active in, you know, the gym environment. A lot of times that tends to happen around guys that could compete in like bodybuilding yeah. and stuff like that. Very focused on aesthetics, focused on movement specifically. Um, and just become like well known for something like niche or specific yeah. that they do. Um, that maybe doesn't have to do with accomplishment, but could be seen uh, as accomplishment in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah. And even then, like these people who haven't necessarily gotten an official accomplishment, they're still, you know, if they're in the fitness space, yeah. uh, more plates, more dates is a great example of this. Yeah. A guy named Derek, he does a lot of like steroid specific body enhancement specific yeah. uh, chemistry specific like that that realm the yeah. more science behind looking good um he looks like he does steroids yeah because he does yeah. but he does it very well you know in a very like low risk space yeah. um there's a guy named jack's blade who does kind of this is how you look like this anime physique yeah. um he looks like an anime superhero. <laughs> like, he looks like he came right out of Dragon Ball. Right. Like, you know, like, so generally um, people in this space, even if they're not, you know, officially, like, world's strongest man or yeah. world's fit uh, uh, fittest woman, like, they are still usually very much visually representative of what they're talking about. Yeah, just because um, there tends to be a competence expectation from the viewer mm -hmm. um, that's like, you're checking them, litmus yeah. test, you're like, Okay, does it? How would I know that this person knows their shit? It's like, do you want to go into a doctor's office and that doctor's sniveling and is a wreck? You know, it's yeah. like it, it's very similar. Of like, if you are talking about fitness, I expect you to look fit. Yeah, I need the person coming in to train me on the subject to clearly follow their own advice in yeah. some way, shape, or form mm -hmm. um, for me to actually take them seriously. Um, yeah. The next group that I would kind of group this in together is like selling programs in some way, some way or form. This includes like doing one-on-one -on -one personal training online, one-on-one -on -one personal training uh, in person, workout programs, um, offering meal, customized online meal plans, doing wellness retreats, basically selling packages yeah. of some sort. Um, and in some way, this works in tandem with the previous. You need to have some background there's yeah. got to be background because and a lot of people know this from personal experience especially in the early ages of the internet um, it's still going on now people selling you bullshit stuff online yeah. it happens all the time people trying to buy my uh buy my workout program and look like me in three weeks yeah. when it's a dude that's who who's obviously been shooting deca and you know <laughs> for just 10 years months. yeah just years of just nonstop steroid use, four hours a day in the gym, eating nothing but, you know, high bulk food. So, uh, and they're just absolutely swollen. They say, you know, look like me in three weeks. Um, yeah. That's kind of going by the wayside, but um, this is one of the big ways that people do make money. 
And we're not trying to deter you when we're talking about this because making money is not an objectively bad thing mm -hmm. when it comes to this environment. They obviously have to make financial compensation for them to be able to focus so specifically into what they're doing. But um, it is just something to keep an eye out for, especially the, the programs is definitely the one that yeah. you need to be wary of the most because you'd be like, oh, like, you know, buy my $90 workout program. It's a complete three-month workout routine with uh you know dietary information and you'll look like me or, or something like that you got to learn look for keywords that just say oh, Any, anytime they say look like me look like me that yeah. yeah it's it's honestly like that's the surefire way to know okay yeah. this is there's something in yeah. here that's bullshit it's like one month transformation uh be wary of you know yeah. it's like three months we're getting somewhere you can you can change a decent amount in three months but one month mm. yeah if they say lose 10 pounds in three months okay like you're like, probably like, right on track yeah that's, you know 10 Just, weeks lose 10 yeah. pounds that's something that is achievable and like a normal amount of time you just got to yeah. know like what what time frames are reasonable for yeah. what yeah. you know um and then also like especially in today's world Pay attention to the documentation, right? Yeah. And that doesn't just mean, you know, internet receipts. That's also, is this person qualified to be doing what they're doing? You know, yeah. uh, if, and that's another way to kind of skip the get super famous notable route of this. Yeah. It's like, get yourself a um, degree in health sciences, you know, biology, something like in that realm of like personal training, something yeah. in there. And then take this path, you yeah, know, good. that that kind of like more college based route also works for this path. Yeah. A good example of this is like Paul Saladino. Mm -hmm. So Paul Saladino is known online as the carnivore MD. Um, very, very famous in the carnivore space for, um, you know, basically just being the guy that sets the boundaries of what are we calling carnivore? And he used to go by that name just because expressly, but he's changed the name of his diet now to animal-based diet because um, it's centered around, you know, these organ meats uh, and as well as muscle meats um, from, you know, preferably larger red meat animals. Mm -hmm. um, but also he has started including things such as raw dairy, um, natural fruits, and honey and things of this nature basically anything that is supposed to be easy for the human body to uh, consume without there being resistance factor um that's that's where he shines but his background is is that he is a doctor that's yeah. why he's called the carnivore md he has a doctorate um in oh, i'm trying to remember it's specifically in i want to say medicine and he's been challenged for this before. You can actually look up. There was one time he was challenged on television as to, you know, what background he had in nutrition. He's like, I have been through med school. I know how to read, you know, scientific literature on these things. And so he's able to back that up, make that claim and say, I know how to read and read the documentation. I know what these chemicals are. I know what they're doing in the body. I know all these receptors. I'm able to you know, look through the information and pour through the information and give you guys my best read on it. He's like, I'm one person, but you know, I'm able to give you guys my best read on it based on the current science. So there's also that roundabout way is through, which is te still technically achievement. It's just academic achievement, not, uh, not like personalized feat achievement, uh, such as like becoming the world's strongest man and then selling a program or something. I think that that, that kind of like encompasses all of these things. Mm-hmm.
um, all of these all options, avenues. And so what way should this alter the way that you purchase things in like when it comes to fitness? One thing is, is specifically be worried, like not worried, be wary of the wording on products. A lot of times it, it's all marketing. So they've got to figure out a way for you to buy it. And different companies take different routes at getting to this. A lot of gym focused companies or whether it be gym apparel, you know, fitness equipment for the individual or even supplements tend to sell loud, as I like to call it, where it's got vibrant colors on it. Mm -hmm. It's using very, very, you know, specific text fonts that really grab your eyes and have, you know, emboldened colors around it. There's artwork um, and stuff like this. But sometimes that can kind of hit people in the, oh, this is a scam center because yeah. like the moment I see super crazy flashy, I think they're trying to hide something behind that, which can be the case. But I will say that that's not necessarily a one way ticket to it being fake or there's something just bullshit behind that, that flashiness. Um, one thing is, is just read wording, um, skim through things like enough to be comfortable with what you're doing. And also know that a lot of times, even if it's bullshit, it's probably not bullshit. That's going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, a lot of times it's just bullshit. That's fake. It's yeah. placebo. It's, you know, it's not worth. it's some fake personal workout equipment, like some band for like your, I don't know, your right leg that doesn't do anything that's supposed to make your squat bigger. I don't know. Something <laughs> fake like that. I, there's plenty of this yeah. stuff out there. You can yeah. go find it. Timu is teeming with it. <laughs> so is Alibaba. But, yep, so that's kind of our big spiel about uh, finances in fitness is just when, you're when they're trying to sell you something, you know, again, read through, be careful, pay attention, um, whether that be the gym you're signing up for. Figure out what you want to yep. figure out your goals and that will make purchasing a lot more a lot easier in general in regards to making sure that you're getting products that are specific to you and necessary and on top of that are the most uh financially you know useful for you the, the most utilitarian of your money at the given time uh that tends to be something that's a little bit dodgy for some of us like end up buying some supplement that we really don't need when we really could use a different piece of personal fitness equipment that would you know it would it would be a better use of our money so mm -hmm. so yeah just keep that in mind and uh we'll see you guys next week see ya Hi guys, this is Nathan. I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of Former Fitness Podcast. If you like this and are looking for more content like it, there are plenty more podcasts from our studio, Uptown Audio, at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte that you can go and listen to. Those will be linked in our link tree that will be attached in the description of this podcast wherever you're receiving it. Thank you guys so much for listening. It does truly mean a lot to us, and we hope you all have a great day.